Fraudulent President Joe Biden delivers his first address to a joint session of Congress. Snoozefest. Epicurious.com cuts the beef. Michael Collins, famed astronaut, the third man of the moon landing, passes away. Our tribute. And you won't believe the newest professor at Tulane University. Can't make it up. Bold Alpha is presented by Gurkha, the world's finest cigars, including the new Gurkha San Miguel, a medium to full-bodied Nicaraguan puro that delights the senses with notes of white pepper, gentle earthiness, and a sweet honey-like finish. San Miguel by Gurkha. Visit GurkhaCigars.com. And by Davidoff of Geneva, makers of Camacho and the Camacho Connecticut. Tame, but tuned up to deliver more flavor and more satisfaction. Morning, noon, or night, it is always the absolute perfect time for Camacho, Connecticut. Camacho, strength and character. It's in our DNA. Available at DavidoffGeneva.com. What an absolute snooze fest. Biden, fraudulent president of the United States, delivers his first joint speech to a joint session of Congress. By the way, the place looked empty. Everybody wearing their masks. And the first question I had, everyone in that chamber was vaccinated. If you're vaccinated, you're protected. They were socially distant beyond belief. Why the hell were they all wearing the masks during the speech? Brainless Biden stated that everybody should take the vaccine. Take the vaccine. It's good for you. Of course, he he claimed all the credit for hitting the not only 100 million vaccination mark, but 200 million, forgetting one very important point. The vaccines were developed in record time under the auspices of President Donald J. Trump's Operation Warp Speed. Convenient fact that he forgot about it. When Kamila and Brainless Joe, Sleepy Joe, were vaccinated in December, President Trump was the president. And you, of course, will recall that Dr. Anthony Phony Fauci said, There's no way we're going to have a vaccine by Election Day, let alone the end of the year. It could be sometime in 2021, maybe late 2021. Certainly once we have the vaccinations and we get a majority of people vaccinated, we can get back to normal. But it will take time. We won't have it. I know what the president said, but it's it's going to be much later. And Christine Wallace, who who moderated the first presidential debate, went after President Trump saying, even your own infectious disease expert, Dr. Fauci, said that's not going to happen by Election Day or the end of the year. And Trump said, well, I think it will. And, of course, Christine Wallace kept pressing him and pressing him, and everybody laughed at President Trump. Oh, he's out of his mind. He's delusional. He's crazy. What happened exactly one week after the election? Pfizer announces they have a vaccine ready to be submitted for emergency youth, 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 emergency use authorization. It's almost like my cousin Vinny. Excuse me, Your Honor. Two youths. 
for emergency use authorization. And by the way, I forgot to mention right off the top, welcome to Bold Alpha. It is Alpha Dave, your global five-star general and alpha male-in-chief front and center from Command Center Alpha. As always, we welcome you to Bold Alpha, your home for alpha male lifestyle conversational maneuver, unabashed commentary. And I absolutely have loads of commentary to talk about last night's joint address to Congress by Biden. Now, the first thing he says, he goes after and he says that America is rising anew, that when I took office, we had the worst pandemic in a century. Let me do Biden, because if you notice, he started off with energy, and by about 15 minutes in, he starts with the worst pandemic in a century, the worst economic crisis since the Depression, and 15 minutes later... Life can knock us down, but in America, we never stay down. As my father used to say, Joey, we don't stay down. Come on, man, we get up. I have exclusive audio of fraudulent President Biden in the presidential limo for the one-mile ride back from the House chamber back to the White House. Exclusive audio of President Biden in the limo. Joey, wake up. How did I get here? Who am I? Where am I? How did I get here? That's exclusive audio. He probably fell asleep in the limo. It was a big day for him. He had to snooze probably all day just to muster up the energy to uh, deliver that speech. But some of the comments that he made just early on, first of all, it was a weird start. The way he came into the chamber, there's nobody there. I did notice that Liz Cheney, did walk people saying, oh, she made a beeline. She didn't make a beeline, but she walked, made sure she walked the eight seats away to fist pump Biden. I'll tell you, that's going to go great in Wyoming in 2022 during her congressional re-election. I don't think she's going to run for re-election. I think she'll see the handwriting on the wall, but I will guarantee, because she's already down like 35 points, 40 points to her, her challenger, Republican challenger. But you can be sure there'll be all sorts of ads going to make sure she fist pumps Beijing Biden. But it was just odd. And the way he started it, it just, it was, there was no formality to it. It was just like, hey, I'm Joe. I'm here. I'm in my basement. Like his stupid car rallies. It was just very, very odd. But he started off by saying, as I stand here tonight, let me do, let me do Joe. As I stand here tonight, just one day shy of the 100th day of my administration, 100 days since I took the oath of office, lifted my hand off our family Bible, inherited a nation in crisis. (sighs) I'm tired already. The worst pandemic in a century. The worst economic crisis since the Great Depression. Come on, man, the worst attack on our democracy since the World War. Wait a minute. The worst attack on our democracy since the World War? How about four presidents being assassinated? How about Pearl Harbor? How about the attacks on 9-11? And you're saying some schmendricks that happened to get into the Congress because of lax security and did no damage. There was very little destruction. They didn't kill anybody, contrary to the Democrat narrative. That was the worst attack on our democracy since the Civil War? 
No, the Democrats are the worst attack on our democracy since the Civil War. Now, after just 100 days, I can report to this nation, America is on the move again. America is on the move again? Yeah, everybody wearing their masks in a chamber where everybody's been vaccinated. That's not on the move. America was on the move under President Trump. Economy, jobs, wages, taking on China, taking on the European Union, negotiating fair trade deals. Oh, America absolutely was on the move again. And before the Chinese Communist Party Wuhan virus, which derailed us in the short term, America was already back and on the move under President Trump. We wouldn't be on the move if it weren't for Operation Warp Speed. We wouldn't be on the move if President Trump hadn't taken on China and hadn't taken on imbalanced trade deals and and unfair trade deals. America's on the move again. Yeah, $6 trillion in new socialist programs. I heard an interesting stat. Sergeant Steve, question for you. When, When Medicare was enacted... I think it was, I want to get the exact year. Year, wait, wait, Medicare was enacted. Okay. It was, uh, let's see. 1965. 1965. Okay. Do you know how much Medicare was projected to be in, you know, the first few years? $3 billion. $3 billion program. Do you know what it is going into this year? One trillion dollars one trillion now think about all these programs that he's saying are going to cost six trillion free college free this free that free child care free every you name it free everything if it's six trillion dollars over what is it five years or ten years you know what's going to be like in a decade we're going to be looking at 60 trillion if not more once the government gets into these socialist programs and enact these socialist programs, they never just, they, they always keep expanding. They never uh, retra- contract. Never. Never happens. But when I watched Biden yesterday, there was no energy. It was a flat speech. He kept going back to the same bullshit over and over. Climate change. We can do it. We're going to invest in new jobs with climate change. This is going to be good for Americans. Climate change. When the Chinese Communist Party Wuhan virus is over, they will fast-track climate change because that is how the Marxist Socialist Democrats can continue control on your life. And after listening to Biden's speech yesterday, it became very apparent to me exactly what the Dems want. They would like a system similar to Red China the Chinese Communist Party, big government that oversees everything. They dictate the economy. They dictate the winners. They dictate the losers. They take social scores. They limit what people can do. Everything is in the name of big government, and there'll be a small number of people that will benefit greatly. That's exactly what the Democrats want. But just going on and on, it was just no energy in the room. It was a bland speech. And I love what Britt Hume had to say. He said, listen, I've sat through probably 40 of these. And the remark that I make every year is, thank God it's over. They go way, way too long. Although I will say, the last State of the Union that President Trump delivered, where he weaved great stories of Americans, heroic Americans, 
I thought was exceptional. It went on long, too long, but I thought it was excellent. And that started under Ronald Reagan, where President Reagan, Peggy Noonan, Ronald Reagan's speechwriter, wanted to be able during the State of the Union to show Americans, highlight Americans that were a result of either heroic actions or delivered heroic actions or were a benefit to various government programs or presidential administration programs. She was the first to start it, and it's been used by presidents along the way. Now, Tim Scott delivered the Republican rebuttal. Very difficult position to be in, let's face it. Most of the time, the president has the entire chamber filled. There's the energy, there's the applause, there's the cheering. Looks presidential, sounds presidential. Tough position. Marco Rubio, disaster. You remember the water. His, uh, his, his throat got dry, he had to reach for the water. Bad move. That torpedoed him. Bobby Jindal from the governor's mansion in Louisiana. Weak performance. Very difficult position to be in. However, Tim Scott hit it out of the park. Hit the absolute home run. He portrayed his story. He portrayed the fact that America is not racist. Look, I always say, are there racists in America? Sure. Are there anti-Semites? Sure. But is America overall a racist country? No. None of us today that have grown up in this country in the last, geez, probably since I I was born in the mid-60s, we didn't grow up with segregated lunch counters. We didn't grow up with separate bathrooms. We didn't grow up with slavery. Now, are there people that are still alive today that remember segregation? Absolutely. Do they remember slavery? No. But look at the progress this country has made. And Tim Scott's a perfect example. He said, I went from from cotton, what do you say, like sharecropper to Congress or cotton picker to Congress in one generation, two generations, something like that. It was a great story. I like Tim Scott. Do I think Tim Scott is presidential material? No. I think Tim Scott harmed himself with a meeting, a very quiet meeting, and I have this from the highest levels of Republican authority, that Tim Scott at a donor meeting at a home back in late fall, early January, somewhere around there, after the election, stated that the Republican Party would be a better brand without Trump. Well, I certainly disagree with that. And by the way, the Opportunity Zone legislation, the laws that were passed, that was because Tim Scott proposed them, went directly to President Trump, who championed them. That would not have happened without President Trump. And anybody that thinks President Trump is bad for the brand, he got 12 million more votes in 2020 than he did in 2016. I cannot wait to see the results of the audit in Maricopa County, Arizona. There's going to be an audit in Cobb County. There's going to be an audit in Michigan. The truth shall come out. That I can tell you. Why do the Democrats have 100 attorneys in Phoenix right now, in Maricopa County, fighting this? Now, if they want, if they have nothing to hide, If they feel confident that their man, brainless Joe Biden, Sleepy Joe, has won, what's the problem? My answer would be, hey, go ahead, audit all you want. The results were were tabulated correctly, fairly, transparently, no problem. But they're not. Why do you think that is? We shall find out.
So anybody that says President Trump is bad for the brand, you better think again. The parties have shifted. The Democrats have now become the party of the elite. The, the Beltway, D.C. swamp rats, the elitist Wall, Street, uh, Wall Streeters in New York, the big coastal cities, and the Republican Party under President Trump is no longer the country club party. It is now the party of the working man, the working woman, blue-collar workers, people that believe in fair trade, in America first. Tim Scott did a great job last night. No ifs, ands, or buts. He was outstanding. His energy level, his message, right on point. And people said, oh, he could have gone longer. No, I thought it was just the right amount of time. If you go too long, you lose people. I thought his, I, I, to me, it almost seemed as if his speech was around eight, ten minutes. Perfect. Right on track. He was enthusiastic. He had charisma. His stories were compelling. What he had to say was excellent. Now, is he going to be mentioned? All of a sudden, they're mentioning him. Oh, 2024 presidential candidate. Well, maybe a VP candidate. I just don't think he's strong enough. Here's what I find. Senators usually make lousy presidents. You want somebody that came from the governor's mansion, from business, as we see with Donald Trump. When somebody sits in that governor's mansion, you are the CEO of the state. You're not sitting there just making laws. You are actually negotiating deals. You are you're running the state. You are out in front for disasters. It is a great prelude to a higher office. That's why I think Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida would be the front runner if, if and only if, President Trump decides not to run again. I think he will run again, and I think he will name Ron DeSantis as his VP, Good transition. One term, DeSantis gets in as VP. The next thing you know, DeSantis comes in as president. I would be fine with that. Four years of President Donald J. Trump, eight years of Ron DeSantis, I'm good. I'm fine with that. And then you could see Tim Scott maybe in a VP role. That, that would make sense. He's got an, uh, an election in 2022 that the Dem- you can be sure the Democrats are going after him. And by the way, the Democrats, the party that embraces Black Lives Matter, and minorities, that champions for blacks and minorities and Asians. What did we see on Twitter last night? What did we see on all the Libstream cable networks, Libstream news outlets? They attacked Tim Scott, calling him Uncle Tim, a play on Uncle Tom. Unbelievably racist, unbelievably offensive, unbelievably rude, and it was trending on Twitter. Big time. Now, I thought Twitter was the place where they wanted to have reasonable conversation and get the, get the violence and get the attacks out of the platform. Yet, they allowed it to continue. And when you see all these people, the Joy Reads or Joyless Reads, and you see all the other people on BSDNC and the uh, conspiracy crap cartoon network I call CNN because it is a giant cartoon going after Tim Scott because he had the audacity to think for himself and say, I'm black and I want to be a Republican and I espouse conservative principles and ideas, but they've got to attack him. So anytime you hear people saying the Democrats are for the minorities, for the blacks, for the Asians, for the downtrodden, for the disaffected, 
bullshit. They're only there to use those minority groups when they need them on election day. Aside from that, they could care less, and that is fact. But overall, my impression, Biden 1 to 10, minus 5. Scott, 1 to 10, 15. Just a weird night overall. And some of the comments that I made last night on my Twitter timeline during Biden's speech, one of them, I said early on, the entire GOP response to brainless Biden's delusional joint address should be three words. Come on, man. I mean, if if a Republican went out and said, come on, man, I would have been, yep, that's it. And, and Biden says China's going to play by the same rules. I said no American would a, with a brain would say that. Brainless Biden is delusional. And then he talks about the largest threat to the homeland in, uh, since the Civil War. No, the largest threat to the homeland, Democrats, pure and simple. And he said America's back on the world stage. And what I said was the United States has become a pathetic joke in the eyes of the world, precisely because of the three clueless Dem Stooges. Biden, and I had a picture of Biden, Kamila, and Hag Pelosi. And then he says, as my father used to say, don't ever bet against America, son. That's what what my father said. Don't ever bet America against America. And I made a very truculent statement. Marxism and socialism are proven losers. As the current enemy of America, Dem regime eagerly embraces those policies. First time I've ever even pondered betting against America. But the probabilities currently are not in our favor and declining fast. Don't blame this messenger. Hashtag truth. I would bet against America now. With this socialist regime, $6 trillion, wanting to... If you think they're just going to tax corporations and the wealthy, you better think again. They'll run out of money at that uh, tax rate. And by the way, people say, well, the the top 1% don't pay their fair share. Do you know the top 1% pay 90% of all the taxes in the United States? The top 1%. That's not paying their fair share? In certain states now, if you are amongst the top 1%, you'll be looking at almost a 60% tax bracket between federal, state, and city in many cases. New York City has a a city tax, city income tax, 60%. You're essentially working on commission for the government. And it never starts off with just taxing the wealthy. They always, the Dems use that line over and over. What they will do is say, well, we need to expand it because this program has gotten out of hand. We need to spend more. And if you're making $200,000, $300,000, $100,000, yeah, you're wealthy. We're going to come after you, too. It is all about class warfare, and it doesn't work. Marxism, socialism, communism have never worked in the history of the world, and it will not work again in 2021. Gurkha is known for producing the world's finest cigars. When you look at their blends, you look at their packaging, you look at the bands, everything about Gurkha screams quality. Gurkha has just released a new cigar that is totally about absolute taste and quality, the San Miguel by Gurkha. It's a Nicaraguan Puro, Nicaraguan wrapper, binder, and filler. 
perfect medium to full-bodied balance loaded with complexity, layers of flavor, including white pepper, a nice natural earth tone finished with a sweet honey-like taste. San Miguel by Gurkha. Features 100% Agonorsa leaf, Nicaraguan shade grown Corojo wrapper, double Nicaraguan binder, Nicaraguan filler. If you're looking for a medium to full-bodied beauty, go no further than the new San Miguel by Gurkha. Visit GurkhaCigars.com. Well, we hear the Democrats raging about climate change. Biden, climate change. We need to, we need to address climate change. Climate change is, let me do it Biden twice. We need to address climate change. Climate change is just terrible. We've got to address climate change. Climate change is the, is, the, is the number one issue we're facing. Oh, and in his address last night, he said, we want to have 500,000 charging stations on the roads in the United States. Okay. We take all the gas-powered vehicles and diesel-powered vehicles off the road. We replace them with electrified vehicles. You could have 5 million charging stations. You have to have a power source to generate the power, to send through the power lines, through the charging station, into your electrified car, your Tesla, your Chevy Volt, whatever the case may be. We need power stations. You cannot, you can have all the cars on the road you want that are electrified if you don't upgrade the grid and you don't increase the number of power stations feeding the grid, you're screwed. Power has to come from somewhere. You don't have enough solar. You don't have enough wind. So what are your two other options? Nuclear, which nobody wants, even though nuclear has become far safer in the last 50 years, tremendously, exponentially safer. Nobody wants nuclear. So you're left with natural gas. Coal's out of the question. Natural gas. We have an abundance of natural gas in the United States. Fracking has allowed us to become very efficient in, in obtaining the gas. It's clean. It's efficient. More and more power stations every day are converting from coal to natural gas. In fact, down in South Florida, Florida Power and Light, Fort Lauderdale, big plant. They knocked it down about five, six years ago, replaced it with natural gas. Tampa, Tampa Electric, same thing, replacing with natural gas. They're phasing out earlier. Uh, than, than anticipated the coal plants. Because natural gas is cheap, it's inexpensive, it's abundant, it's domestic, and it's clean. But nobody wants a new fossil-fueled power plant. So you tell me, how on earth are you going to power all those electrified vehicles? How are you going to recharge them? Nobody ever talks about that. You think any of these Libstream Reporters sitting in the White House briefing room have ever come up with that concept? Have ever thought about asking it? Not one. But talking about climate change, this week Biden mentioned that one of the things that has to be looked at is agricultural's contribution towards climate change and that people may have to eat less meat. So I got a kick out of this. Condonast, or should I say Condolast, has a website called Epicurious. I have been on there. They've got recipes. They show various food articles. They have announced they will no longer mention meat in their recipes. Articles or on social media 
in a move they say is about sustainability and being pro-planet. I see, so now if we eat meat, we throw a steak on the grill, we throw a burger on the grill, we enjoy a beer can chicken on the grill or a fried turkey, now all of a sudden we're not about sustainability and we are anti-planet. Cutting beef from recipes, thinking that's going to save the planet? The planet doesn't need saving. Animals have been around on this planet far longer than we have. It's a joke. When I hear John Kerry, oh, Benedict Arnold John Kerry, traitor, treasonous traitor, the guy that says, we have to address climate change. We've got to get back in the Paris Accords. We've got to get China on board. Oh, but I can still fly in my private jet because, hey, I'm important and i got to get to places. Well, everybody else, forget it. John Kerry goes out and now telling everybody we need to address climate change because it is existential. It's an existential threat. And he makes the statement that we need to get to zero carbon emissions from agriculture. And zero, and they say zero carbon dioxide. Does he not realize that every human breathes carbon dioxide? Does he not understand that? Apparently, he never went to science 101 or even ninth grade science. So if you think that by not mentioning meat, you're doing your part to be pro-planet, give me a break. It's a joke. Biden would say, come on, man. Come on, man. Come on, Epicurious. Now, 15% of total global greenhouse gas emissions is due to livestock and is is down. Uh, what does it say? 15% of the total global greenhouse gas emissions is down to livestock, and cattle represents about 65% of that, according to the UN. So the editors of Epicurious wrote that abstaining from beef means we can use our resources to focus our recipes on more climate-friendly foods. What an absolute farce. What an absolute joke. They say if you're looking for ways to lower your personal carbon footprint, abstaining from beef is a straightforward and effective way to do it. I do not want to lower my personal carbon footprint. I want to massively increase my carbon footprint. That is why I drive an SUV. That is why I have not only a regular gas grill, but I also have a pellet smoker. I want to increase my carbon footprint. I want to cook and grill and smoke more meat. America loves beef. It's what's for dinner. Remember the old commercial beef? It's what's for dinner. But yet, we've got, and you can be sure of one thing. At all the White House state dinners and in the White House and in the embassies across the world, all these Dems, do you think they're going to stop eating beef? You think they're going to say, take the filet mignon off the menu, take the ribeye off the menu? Oh, by the way, for July 4th, for our picnics, for our outdoor events, Take, take the burgers and hot dogs off the menu. Are you kidding me? Who are they kidding? It's always about everybody else doing it, but never them. What is good for the goose to them is not good for the gander. So this is nothing more. And by the way, Epicurious says, now they're going to start this so they won't have any more meat recipes. In fact, they, 
they have they showed a picture on their um I think it was either on Facebook or Twitter or the social media feed. They have a picture of a soy burger that they're basting barbecue sauce on. And that's talking about their their new their decision to go meatless in their recipes. But all those thousands and thousands of recipes that already mentioned meat, they won't remove those. They will continue to maintain those on their site. Sure, they don't want to lose all the audience. And by the way, how many people do you think are going to start running to Epicurious now that there's no meat dishes? And as I look at all these, the people that are the editors of Epicurious, they're all crunchy granola. They wear the Birkenstocks, you know, very crunchy granola. And I'll guarantee you one thing. They'll be the ones saying, eat more tofu. Eat more soybean burgers, which are loaded with salt and chemicals. But when they want a burger, you can be sure they will absolutely eat a burger. It never fails, the hypocrisy. Hey, one thing that never fails is the Cigar Dave Officers Club selections, the great selections that we ship out every month. For April, we featured or are featuring the PDR Cigars Portfolio Sampler. All of our members have received them. They went out. I know because we have test packages across the country. I got my package. And we featured three fantastic cigars from PDR. little story about PDR. Master blender Abe Flores down in the Dominican Republic. He's the guy that oversees the tobacco, ages the tobacco, blends the cigars. And these cigars are absolutely gorgeous. The, uh, the, the, the wrapper, the construction, the aroma, the band's magnificent. And we featured three of their award winners from their huge portfolio. First up, the A. Flores Gran Reserva de Florado, a superb Ecuadorian Connecticut de Florado wrapper. So the wrapper, once they deflower it, the second priming gets very dark and tasty. That's what's featured on the A. Flores Gran Reserva de Florado. It's a symphony of creamy, a creamy medium-bodied flavors. Next up, the PDR 1878 Recordando a Santiago Sun Grown, a truly beautiful, approachable cigar, a bounty of spice, pepper notes, and last, a very special cigar. The PDR Small Batch Exclusive, only 20,000. Of these sticks were rolled in 2014. They were hidden in PDR's aging room. They found them last fall. They decided to release them one and done. We are pleased that all of our members were able to receive one of these PDR small batch exclusives. When they're gone, they're gone. It's a rare aged gem. Age six, seven years, can't go wrong. If you want to join the Officers Club, and get great cigars, three great cigars shipped to you every month, head over to CigarDave.com, our brother podcast, and our brother site, CigarDave.com. Click on Officers Club, $22.95 per month. We'll get you three great cigars shipped to you in a Cigar Dave Officers Club Ziploc pouch. We've got some great selections up ahead. We've had fantastic selections over the last 17 years or so, and we will continue it. So you can be sure of one thing. I will continue to eat meat. I will continue to enjoy meat. I will continue to do my part to increase global emissions, and I will continue to select fabulous cigars for all of our Cigar Dave Officers Club members. Camacho cigars are known for their strength and character. It's in their DNA. They're unconventional. 
Now, you know when you talk about a mild-bodied cigar with a Connecticut wrapper, it's the same story. Light, golden, mild, yawn. Camacho decided they were going to strip it down and tune it up with more flavor, more satisfaction, enough to earn a seat at the Camacho table. While still maintaining a nice medium-bodied character, the Camacho Connecticut starts with a Connecticut wrapper from Honduras, a binder from Honduras, authentic Corojo, and Honduran Dominican Republic filler. What do you get? A nice medium-bodied cigar that is tuned up, that delivers cream, woody nuttiness to round out spice and sweetness. Camacho, Connecticut. Good any time of day or night, morning, noon, or night. You can never go wrong. Camacho, strength and character. It's in our DNA. Available at DavidoffGeneva.com. As a kid growing up in the late 1960s, I think uh, 1969, I was five years old. I remember the Apollo 11 mission, July of 1969. I remember where I was. I was at my grandparents' house watching their Zenith television with Space Age remote control. Everything back then was Space Age. Microwave oven, it's Space Age. Tang, the great uh, uh, breakfast beverage loaded with sugar, Men went on, you know, men, men went into space with Tang, space age. Everything was space age back then. It was big. When you look at the developments that came out of the space program, they were huge. Medical, science, technologically, just incredible. And when you think that there's more computer power in your smartphone right now, your iPhone, your Android, there is more computer power than in the entire Apollo 11 spacecraft, the lunar lander. I mean, not by a little, but by, you know, a factor of probably 10,000. It's incredible when you think about it. They got to the moon without fancy computers. I mean, they had computers that they used. They took up giant rooms. But they used the old-fashioned, you know, navigation and telemetry. It's amazing to think that in 1969, Man landed on the moon without all the massive computer power that we have today. I mean, today the astronauts take off. They don't do anything. It's all done by computer. It really is amazing. But I remember summer July of 1969. Man on the moon. I remember Walter Cronkite. Man on the moon. And he took his glasses off and went, whew. Wally Shira, the other astronaut, was there. He goes, oh, boy, Wally. I mean, it was just very emotional. That was an, it's a major achievement. We did that in 1969. Now we've got countries, China, other countries are saying, yep, yeah, we're going to put a, 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 a personless vehicle on the moon, a lander on the moon. Like, ooh, ooh, should we get excited for that? We put two men on the moon in 1969 and multiple more over the succeeding years. But Michael Collins, this kid growing up, the astronauts were mythical gods. I remember I had an Apollo rocket for a model. I remember at Gulf gas stations, primarily in the Northeast, they had this, this thing that if you bought five gallons or ten gallons of gas, it's this big like uh, cardboard thing that you would get, and you could create it to look like the lunar module and the command module and the whole rocket. I mean, I had man-on-the-moon wallpaper growing up. 
The NASA astronauts, those guys were cool. They were hip. They were young. You would see these guys. I mean, they just looked like they came out of a Hollywood movie. You couldn't script it better. Buzz Aldrin, Neil Armstrong, Michael Collins, Wally Schirra, all those astronauts, Frank Borman, those guys just came right out of central casting. You couldn't make it up. And Michael Collins was the third man on the moon landing. He didn't touch the moon, but he played an important part of the mission. He circled around the moon, including the dark side of the moon, where there's no communications, back to Earth. Sixty miles above the moon he orbited, while Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin were landing and walking on the lunar surface. I think they were on for less than 24 hours. Well, Michael Collins, quiet, really quiet, of uh, cerebral of the three astronauts, died on... Wednesday, yesterday, in Naples at the age of 90 from cancer. Now, to me, when you think about Michael Collins, you don't realize he was a lieutenant colonel in the Air Force. That was, they called him the loneliest man in history because he is circling the moon. While Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin are on the moon, he's it, the only guy in that capsule orbiting the moon. Think about that. 1969. And when the lunar module Eagle descended from Columbia, touched down on the moon on July 20th, 1969, Colonel Collins lost contact with his crewmates and with NASA. His line of communications blocked as he passed over the moon's far side. And blackouts would occur during a portion of each orbit. And he would say, I am alone now, truly alone and absolutely isolated from any known life, writing his thoughts in his 1974 memoir, carrying the fire. If a count were taken, the score would be 3 billion plus 2 over on the other side of the moon and 1 plus God only knows what on this side, he added. I like the feeling. Outside my window, I can see stars. And that is all. Where I know the moon to be, there is simply a black void. And what is very interesting is that um, Michael Collins began flying in 1952 through the skies as a test pilot, he orbited the Earth 43 times in the Gemini 10 capsule. If you've ever gone to the Smithsonian Air and Space Museum and you look at the Gemini or the Mercury capsules, those things are tiny. And you say to yourself, how on Earth did they actually get into that thing and shoot or, you know, go, go into space and orbit and come back safely? It is really, really uh, incredible. Michael Collins was a member of a distinguished military family. He was born on October 31st, 1930 in Rome, where his father, Major General James Lawton Collins, who had been an aide to General John J. Pershing, the general of the armies in Mexico during World War I, was the military attache at the U.S. Embassy at the time. His, uh, he was a nephew of General J. Lawton Collins, known as Lightning Joe, a prominent World War II commander who also served as Army Chief of Staff during the Korean War. Michael's older brother, Brigadier General James Lawton Collins Jr., led an artillery battalion ashore at Utah Beach on D-Day, later director of the Army's military history program, and he decided to go in the Air Force over the Army to avoid suggestions of nepotism in future assignments. And he really was one of those mythical God 
NASA astronauts that you would see in those cool convertible cars and just had the look. So Michael Collins, rest in peace. Finally, Tulane University is hiring a guest lecturer to teach a fake news class this fall. You won't believe who it is. Hunter Biden. Where's Hunter? Well, we know where Hunter is. He will be on the Tulane University campus in New Orleans this fall teaching a 10-week course entitled Media Polarization and Public Policy Impacts. Are you kidding me? You got a crackhead that's going to teach a class? What's he going to teach? If anything, he ought to be teaching a class in, you know, how to, uh, how, to, how to obtain crack, how to use crack, how to be a total loser, how to go after young girls, uh, you know, how to destroy your life. What an absolute joke, beyond comical, that Hunter Biden would be allowed anywhere near the Tulane University campus. It is just incredible. You can't make it up, my fellow alphas. You absolutely can't. All right, that is all for today. Don't forget, make sure you subscribe to the Bold Alpha Podcast. Give us a five-star rating. Also, make sure you subscribe to our brother podcast, the Cigar Dave Show Podcast. Do a search in your favorite uh, favorite podcast uh, search uh, app, uh, uh, app or wherever you get your podcast. You will see it there. Alpha Dave, your global five-star general, alpha male-in-chief. Enjoy the alpha male lifestyle. Never apologize for being an alpha male. Never apologize for contributing to global warming, especially with steaks on the grill. Live it up. Live it up.